Hey guys, welcome to episode 32 of the 1023 Soul Shop Talk podcast. Uh, today we have Vaughn here with us, virtually. He's here in... Hi everybody. Yeah, hi everybody. He's here in audio form only, but um, getting getting you to join me is like pulling teeth. It's actually worse than pulling teeth. Yeah, especially since you've gone, uh, well, live in some cases. Uh, it's, it's just pretty difficult because it's a lot harder knowing how you and I do podcasts to feel like comfortable doing it. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention, I just kind of got roasted by Rob uh, <laughs> about that yesterday. What was he so, roasting um, for? Uh, basically he was just like, why haven't you been on the podcast? You know, I, I, uh, it's been so, so long and this and that. And so way uh, to go, Rob, he convinced you. And then next thing you know, a day later you're doing it. Yeah. It was actually funny. Cause earlier, like I said, yesterday I was thinking about, cause I like this type of format of questions and answers. It makes it so much easier when, you know, you can kind of just do what we do on the phone where people ask questions and we just answer them Yeah. versus coming up with the questions that people have asked us in whatever way we can think of and then trying to say it, which doesn't help everybody. So no. I like this. And uh, on top of that, like I said, he kind of roasted me. So I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably about time to do this. So I'm going to stick Rob um, on you every time. Um, shout out, shout out to Rob Simmons. I think that was like episode 26 or something like that uh, for, uh, for convincing Vaughn to join me again. Yeah, I want to try. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I didn't expect you to kind of move to this format right away. And didn't I also didn't think I'd like this. So um, this makes it a heck of a lot easier to join. So yeah, we'll see. Well, and that's I, I leave that up to you guys, too. If you can, uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts or watching on YouTube, um, you know, leave a comment or whatever. If you if you like the Q&A style format, because it makes it easy for us to come up with um, what to say. Um and the last one you guys seem to appreciate. So we'll keep going with them. And um, we got quite a few questions we're going to go over today. And just generally having questions that to get answered, um, again, makes it easier to make content and just has more questions that get answered on the internet, um, yeah. which is, I think, just a good idea in general. Yep. Um, just a reminder, too, we've got BG uh, Diesel that they do like lubricants, they sell oils and all sorts of lubricants and cleaning supplies for trucks. Um, they're going to be joining us sometime in the next couple of weeks. So if you guys do have questions about um, like lubrication, um, you want to check out their products um, to see what kind of questions you might have for them. Definitely shoot us an email to media at one zero two three diesel.com. Uh, so you want to get into the first question here, Vaughn? Sure. Uh, you or me want to read that. I'll go for it. This okay. is a, uh, Hello, I'm looking at purchasing one of your hydro ships with your tunes. I have a 2003 F350 73 diesel um, crew cab, two wheel drive. Uh, I've always had issues with the truck not being able to go past 85 miles an hour. The truck starts bucking like the fuel's being turned off. It runs great otherwise. I have an old edge programmer on the truck since 2008. Is this something that a hydro chip will fix? So, QU. So I, I, this is kind of right. So, so let's start off with saying that this isn't going to be a diagnostic answer Q and session Q Q and a session. So not going to jump into diagnosing this particular, uh, situation. So we only have this here as a, um, jumping into a, something we get a lot, uh, something I definitely get a lot on the tuning side of things of questions or people that buy parts or that are looking at tuning or just have purchased tuning on our store, um, or phone calls they get forward to me about vehicles that are probably unhealthy um in some way whether the customer knows it or not um 
and we get questions such as this, which are very clearly, um, and maybe not to some customers that it's a, a vehicle issue that, um, as far as we're concerned, that's not our business model. We don't provide, uh, calibration software to fix problems. We provide calibration software to increase performance and or support performance enhancing components. Right. And that makes it, um, I think I just, to be clear about what we do here, I guess is a little bit better. Right. And so when people can understand that that's our goal here, um, or at least if you didn't, now you do, um, as far as an online business um, that provides, you know, custom tuning for 7.3 liter power strokes, we're not in the business, especially on the online side of diagnosing vehicles. While we may have some expertise in that, to, and I know customers like to reach out because of that, um, but that is not our business model. Okay, um, so to get into this a little bit better. This isn't an exact question naturally that we always get, but this is a format of a question that we get a lot of Mm -hmm. my vehicle, let's say is underpowered or um, it's just not performing how you expected it to. Maybe this is your first uh, diesel. Maybe this is your first 7.3 liter power stroke. Um, Maybe this particular model, right? In this case, it's a a dual rear wheel. He says it's an F350. So, but if it was an F450 or 550, then it would have, you know, a lower gear ratio more than likely. And so that, can change some things. Um, but uh, if maybe this is a first for you of this particular vehicle configuration, you're not expecting the way it's set up to drive compared to the last time you've had it, or um, a big one being it just is very worn, right? So um, what happens is I usually, depending on what the components are and depending on where you live and depending on the setup of the vehicle and what you know about the history of the vehicle, such as um, if it was on-road only, if it had a lot of idle hours, if it was up north, down south, um, if, depending on the scenario of the vehicle, for how many miles are on it might give me an idea of how absolutely worn the vehicle is and how much power you've lost or what components have worn out over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And for customers, a lot of questions we get are, um, I just want to make more power, but and let's say even in this customer's case, he's been running um, a programmer on it, right? And in general... Um, we're probably for stock injectors, not going to do that much better in the power department, um, than what this customer is expecting. Right. So if you've already been running a programmer, chances are, we're probably not going to do that much better for you, depending on your setup. So what you're likely looking for when you say, I would like more power is probably just because the vehicle is so worn that it's lost more power than you don't really understand. Right. And I, and um, I'm probably going to have you jump in a little bit on this when it comes to what we typically see when, let's say, a stock injector vehicle uh, hits a dyno, regardless of the the uh, calibration power output, they all at the top end will dyno usually much less than stock horsepower to the rear wheels when they're about over 150,000 miles or more. Um, and I'm sure some people out there will disagree on that timeline or that mileage, but they typically dyno um, very low horsepower, no matter what calibrations in it for multiple reasons. Yeah. In general, what I'm trying to say is that more than likely, if components haven't been replaced, it's just plumb worn out. And in that case, what we're looking for is not to try and jump into the tuning world and, or trying to make more quote unquote power for you, especially if you've been running some form of programmer previously that has been increasing your power output. That's probably not what you're looking for. You're probably looking for just getting the vehicle back to if, again, if you're new to this, to what it should be, um, say even factory horsepower, 
Um, or if you're used to um, more powerful or less worn out 7.3s and this is a new one to you, um, having it just in a new healthy stock um, configuration. Yep. Um, or if you have had this for 20 years and you just didn't realize you've been driving it for this long and it's slowly lost you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 horsepower since you've owned it. Um, and you just didn't realize how much power it lost because of how worn it's got. And more specifically, when I say worn, we're usually talking about fuel injectors and high pressure oil system, sometimes fuel system, sometimes turbochargers. Um, and those are pretty important things to I think one thing that gets overlooked a lot is, uh, is leaks like boost leaks, exhaust leaks. And like, I don't think that I've ever boost uh, like check for boost leaks on a truck by like pressurizing the compressor housing on the turbo and not had a leak somewhere like, and that's, I think that gets really overlooked too. Um, and there's like, there's a, I think, what is it? It's either boost leak testers or boost leak detectors.com. They sell just like a little adapter. It's got a straighter valve and a cap and everything. And it's set up. So you can literally just pull your intake off your turbo, um, stick the, um, stick the tester on there. Um, and just like, fill it up. Like you're filling up a tire. It's got a pressure gauge on it. And they're like 20 or $30. Last time I looked, they're super cheap. It's a really good way to check for boost leaks. And I think that's a really good idea because they all leak like, and just like one of the, like going back to like the diagnosing part, like when, when people say like, I'm down on power, like you mentioned earlier, um, we, like we, we try to go down the road of like, all right, well, here's potential problems. Like here's some things to look for. If if you feel like the truck isn't making the power it's supposed to, or we believe that's what the case is. Um, a lot of guys will just be like, oh, my H pops fine. The numbers look fine or the uh, boost is fine. I don't have any leaks, but nobody ever actually tests it. So um, that's why, you know, like from the beginning, if your truck, if your truck has issues, fix them. Like, and we can't get into everything you need to do to fix your truck. Um, but you need to start with a base that works and then, um, have, have the ability to like have a monitor, um, some way of monitoring the data on your truck. And that way, you know, once you do have tuning on it, or if you already have tuning and you don't have a monitor, get one, um, so that, uh, you can see what ICP is doing because ICP is like one of the one of the biggest things that is going to contribute to low power, um, whether it be because injectors are worn um, or low ICP because um, the pump is worn um, or both. And and I just wouldn't uh, in that scenario, right? This becomes a pretty big one, and I don't want to spend way too much time on this when it comes to diagnosing. Um, but I do think, as far as for some people, not diagnosing the vehicle may not be there, um, especially. Turns out these things are not the easiest to diagnose, right? We deal with a lot of shops that, while they say they may be familiar with working on diesel engines, are not as familiar as we'd like them to be with 7.3 liter power strokes. Mm -hmm. So we understand this is a relatively specialty um, application as far as diagnosing these things properly. So maybe that's not for everybody, and maybe you do need to find somebody who does specialize in power strokes to do this, because ultimately, even when you do purchase a logging device, you still need somebody to tell you whether it's good or not, right? And we try our best to do that. But again, that's another service we don't really have a price bracket or idea for, right? That takes a lot of time and effort for us to have somebody answer questions and helping people diagnose their vehicle, right? Yeah. Okay. Moving Which on we try to there, run through. About... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, that's something we try to run through with people, like once you do have the tools. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take us 
way longer than what it's worth to do that for everyone. Like we can't teach everyone how to use the tools to diagnose their truck and then help them diagnose their truck. Like that's not what the service of tuning is. And another thing when it comes to actually having a device, right? Like you had mentioned plenty of customers will say, oh, ICP is great. That's not a problem. There's a big difference, um, especially when it comes to uh, ICP systems and specifically in the 7.3 liter power strokes is um, there. It's it's not it doesn't help me when you say it's just good. And that goes for um, uh, people diagnosing vehicles. So that may be an end customer. That may even be a shop tech um, when they're working on a vehicle for a customer and we're dealing with a tech. Okay. Just telling me it's good tells me nothing on top of if you say, oh, it's holding a max pressure, it's good. That still doesn't particularly help me either. Oftentimes, I need to see a lot more information. Okay, I usually need to see um, a lot of other engine parameters, mass fuel desired, um, uh, pedal position, basically every other sensor, battery voltage. There's so many things, and I usually go through this with customers. Right off the bat, I may give you a bunch of PIDs that make no sense for what you're complaining, like what your complaint is, right? And that is only because there are so many things that can go wrong and so many other data points that would lead to a particular problem that may not be um, the the initial symptom that you're experiencing, but maybe the potential cause of that symptom. So I need to see everything as well. So just simply saying it can't be ICP because it's it's reaching max pressure doesn't particularly help me because you most of the time uh, the tech is also not going to know what max pressure is, right? Only really I am. Um, and that can be different depending on how it was tested or what tune it was in or if it was completely stock. There are different regions of you know, ICP pressure, and we could spend a whole bunch of time talking about that. And that would be more technical topic. But the point being that um, even when you have a, a device, right, when you are using that device to diagnose your vehicle, um, that's only one half of it. Knowing how to look at it is another half of it. And it's difficult for us to help you diagnose your vehicle um, without giving us um, uh, as much information as we can possibly get. And that's usually why I don't even ask customers to read me what they have or send me a video. It's not really worth it to me or both of us for that matter. It's a waste of time. We usually just jump into data logging. And again, that's a time consuming, expensive operation for us um, to just work through all of that with you because it does take me quite a bit of time to look through logs and to get an idea of what could be happening along with usually a 30 minute to an hour phone call um, or more over however many days, depending on what the vehicle problem is. So, yeah. I just want to clear that when it comes to monitors and even when you do have one, um, knowing how to use it is important too. So what are a couple of monitors that, that you find easy, um, for the consumer to use and for us to, to get good data from, um, and like, what are their use cases? So this is actually a little bit, uh, entertaining. I was just talking with Rob yesterday. Um, he was like, well, I have my hands, um, on his fancy snap on device. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually uh, my response is throw it in the trash um, because the fancier the tool, the usually less useful it is for me um, when it comes to looking at data. Uh, if you could give me a snapshot of memory every, you know, uh, 10 times a second would be the most helpful. Um, and I could go through it myself because that's as, as low level as close to what's actually happening or what the computer seeing as can possibly be, which is important to me. That being said, the point being uh, the fancier the tool, not always uh the best outcome for me. So I'm usually looking for um, a reasonably inexpensive, easy uh, consumer-based device because they usually have put way more time on opening up some of the protocols and stuff, such as, you know, just converting to to standard CSV files, comma-separated value files to give me data. So when it comes to devices that do that, 
I usually recommend two things from the business perspective of I need to be able to give you uh, the name of a product that a company can support and has been um, useful and I can sort of guarantee the results, right? So that usually comes down to um, uh, Opus makes a product called Auto Ingenuity. It's been around for quite a long time and a lot of customers have heard of that. A lot of people sell it. Um, I don't think we do um, no. just because it's not, well, you can explain that, but um, that's a great option um, for a lot of customers that are looking for a more diagnostic based tool. Um, so uh, you would also need a, a Windows uh, computer, ideally a laptop, because you're going to want to have it in the vehicle with you. Um, so that has a little bit of overhead there and that you have to have a Windows laptop, which most people do, but that, you know, diagnosing on a laptop is a little bit different. Okay. So that's an option and that's a reasonably priced option, assuming you already have the computer. Um, and that is just purely for diagnosing. Okay. Um, it's not, you're not going to obviously have that in your vehicle at all times. So it's only useful when you have problems and you need to see what's going on, but it works great in that I can help customers along with that. So if you have it and we end up needing to do any diagnostics, um, I can walk you through a good amount of it, um, which is very helpful. And it by default exports to comma separated value files, um, that I can use. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's just not a convenient tool. It's a very, it's a very useful tool, like diagnostic tool, but it's not very convenient. Um, since you do have yep. to have the cable and the laptop and all that to do anything, but it has a lot more function than the other stuff you're probably going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, again, just for people that are looking for a diagnostic product. Um, and what I usually say is if you have at least more than one vehicle, or maybe you work on other people's vehicles as well, um, or you're a small time shop or just do it on the side, then you have a diagnostic tool that uh, Opus also supports with auto ingenuity, tons of other manufacturers as well, not just Ford um, specific. So it's very useful across your whole shop, right? Um, yeah. For for small time diagnostics. Um the next would be your in-cab monitors. And this is for customers that one don't already have in-cab monitors um, and are looking for um, maybe uh, to take over gauge uh, arrays or maybe you don't have gauge uh, set up um, and you're looking for an all-in-one feature. And I'll let you talk about that. But as far as the diagnostic side goes, um, the Edge Insight CTS devices, which I believe the three is the only one still available or, or that's being sold. Yep. Um, the twos work fine. Um, so if you already have one or you're purchasing it secondhand, um, that's better than nothing. Um, they work fine. Um, as far as the data logging side of it and capturing data um, is for these particular vehicles. So that would be Ford 7.3 liter power stroke vehicles. Um, uh, the F series excursions and E series. Okay. Let's make that a little bit more clear. Um, Okay. Some clarity um, on they the edge work... thing. Uh, they there's like three different devices. They've got the Insight CTS3. They've got the Evolution uh, CTS3, and they've got an Edge Juice with Attitude CTS3. Um, and the, the Juice with Attitude, if you have one, you can throw it in the trash and never touch it again. Um, the uh, Evolution is the same thing. It's just basically the same device as the Insight CTS3, except it flashes the PCM. Like there's gonna have three. Um, tunes on it um, that you can use. You can just not put tuning on it and then just use it as a monitor. Um, so it would function the same as a, as a um, uh, insight. Uh, but the, the juice with attitude uses like a control box, I believe under the hood. And um, there's really nothing useful about them. Once you like, I don't think that they pull data from the OD2 port, like the insight or the evolution does. So I think right. that's, that's kind of one thing that gets confusing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
that's another if, if anybody calls me and we talk about that i'm usually going to say i'm not the one to talk to you about this i'm just the yeah. tuner so that's a, a big thing but um as far as the diagnostic um data logging goes um they work pretty good um so as far as finding the right one for your vehicle you can answer that but and they're super um, easy like yeah you need a data log you 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 just swipe down from the top and hit the red button like and they by default record all data don't they um Yes and no. Um, I think they, by default, record whatever PIDs are selected or preloaded to the device, um, which is not, it, it's too many to properly record. So that's one thing. So one thing I will say when it comes to these uh, CTS devices, if you and I or customers talk, I usually say, just tell me what device you have. Don't try to record anything ahead of time because I will give you a list of PIDs um, to select uh, when you uh, go to record a data log for me and to test procedure as well. And the reason is mostly for this, this goes for just about every data logging device when it comes to the uh, auto ingenuity um, or uh, one of these in-cab monitors, SCT devices, basically anything that records data. Uh, and that is a, a limit of these particular PCMs with the uh, PWM protocol that they use um, and just routine speed. So they can only record um, a certain amount of data uh, per second. So it depends on the set of PIDs and what device um, is, is usually it's certain PIDs take up more data. And so uh, without getting into it too bad, you can only record a certain amount of a particular set of PIDs. And usually that's limited to about for what I'm looking for, um, for these vehicles, about eight or nine. Um, and that's what I, I try to cap it at because that usually gives me one uh, PID sample per second, which is as reasonable as we can get for as much data as I usually need to see. So depending on what we're looking for and depending on the device, I usually may say we'll drop that down to about five or six and we'll take more than one log um, to try and get a better idea as fast as possible. Because like I said, I'm looking for as much data as fast as possible because um, a lot of numbers and a lot of calculations happen extremely fast. They happen way faster than any device can capture. So um, some issues can happen between samples of a particular, you know, PID that could be causing a, a particular problem. So um, that's why I say just wait, don't try to record anything or everything, because the more PIDs are selected, the slower the sample speed is for a particular um, PID to be updated. Um, so if it goes over, then a bunch of samples get missed, like on default for the CTS2s um, or some of the CTS3s, they can, if you select too many PIDs or do it by default, um, they'll have about 10 samples. It just kind of freaks out and it stops all samples for about a second or two. And you'll have a whole list of samples that are just the same value. So it misses a ton of samples when you go too high. So yeah, that's one thing I wanted to note on those. Yep. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, to answer this question, uh, if your truck has problems, don't just don't assume that buying tuning from us is going to fix it. Can we leave it at that and move on to the next one? I agree. All yep. right. <laughs> Close enough. And that is an honest position to say that we get a lot of these and most of the time you, you're you not ready for, well, in that, that particular question, it sounds like he has quite a few problems that are not really, um, uh, it, it's, a, it's all kinds of potential issues there, electrically related, mechanically related. Yeah. But in general, when it comes to my truck's low on power, can this help me? Um, we'd, we'd rather just say, if you put it back to stock or just get a new healthy set of components, depending on what the issue is, point being getting it properly diagnosed and repaired, you're probably looking at, you know, 20, 30, 50, 60 horsepower back just the way it's sitting, yeah. even just stock, um, which is a huge, huge improvement. 
um, for most people, especially with higher mileage vehicles. Yeah. And we've got a, um, I don't know when I'm going to get it done. We're trying, but I've got a video, uh, where we've dynoed several trucks, stock trucks that had ICP issues and then fixed the ICP issues and then dynoed them again. And, um, that's with and without tuning. And so we've got a video coming up on that, um, kind of going over like what, what the, like what the power output looks like. Cause that's, yeah, that gets complicated, but if you follow us on YouTube, you'll see those videos come up pretty soon. And we have quite a few of them we're going to be working on. All right. So the next question was, um, I'm about to pull the trigger on custom tunes, but I'm not sure what to select for the transmission mods. I'm running a Samwise stage two four one hundred, and I know that it has a valve has valve body modifications among other things. I'm just wanting to verify whether or not I should select the shift kit option or another. Um, thanks in advance for the help. Uh, cause we've got two options. We've got, we're three options. If you have an automatic transmission, um, We've got shift kit built or stock, I think. Yes, I think that's for both the form and on the product page. I honestly don't remember. One of them's a little yeah. bit off. I think we only either have shift kit or stock. Um, yeah, because it doesn't matter. In general, yeah. when um, customers are, this is actually a great question. I like this a lot because we get asked this quite a bit. Um, I know you guys do for sure. You and Thomas answer these questions all the time. What I usually tell you guys is to say from the tuning side, when you're dealing with a customer, um, is if it's if you have any question that you think it may be modified, this is a way bigger topic. Um, because if you don't know how to know, if you didn't do the modifications yourself and you don't know what's been done to the transmission, um, then this is opening a, a can of worms for both of us. And it kind of is, is really annoying in some cases. So I prefer if we didn't have to go down that road. And I, I understand when customers get vehicles and they don't know what's been done to them. But oftentimes, again, with higher mileage transmissions, it's not usually something that's been done to them. It's that they're worn in a lot of different ways. And so what you're feeling isn't actually a shift kit. It's binding valves. So um, that's a that's a whole you know diagnostic thing that we end up having to go through after that. Yeah. Okay. And if you have a slip it, bang, like if you, if your trans is slipping, you're like, Hey, it's slipping into overdrive. It's like really sloppy. And then it slams. Um, just, just pull out a credit card. Sorry. Yeah. There's <laughs> and another thing. This is and a bit of what we, what Rob and I were talking about yesterday was, you know, similar problems to this, which is why this kind of popped up and was a pretty good uh, topic to jump into because again, transmissions where transmission components where it may not just be your your clutches that wear. there's a lot of valves that are um machine fits um and they wear too and these problems right by by design of the transmission will appear if they uh, start to wear yeah okay for this particular question when it comes to what option should i choose on the store um let's assume in this case that you know what's been done to your transmission okay the shift kit option is mostly there um, just so it gives me an idea of knowing how far your transmission is gone. Um, so I can decide whether, um, what's been done to it is worth, uh, a phone call or a chat or, um, depending on the model year of the vehicle, depending on what, um, tire size, your altitude, your physical location. There's a lot of things that I will look at, um, when you place an order, I quite literally looking at the address of where it's going to, um, where the customer, um, is likely to be driving. And sometimes customers that know that, you know, we've t spoke before, will will know, I ask a lot of these questions, the altitude that you're usually driving at, what you do with the vehicle. And those aren't particularly important prior to the purchase all the time, because I won't know how you drive it, even with all of those things taken into account. They, those, 
those questions that I just mentioned that I will ask people have nothing to do. They're not, I'm not going to change any of the tuning files to compensate for any one of those problems. Just so people know that there aren't switches that we flip to say, Oh, for, you know, if this guy's towing a lot, or if this guy's climbing Hills, I'm not going to make any particular changes unless I know that the customer needs those things, right? We offer the service of support after the tuning gets sent out, but we don't make those changes ahead of time. And I'd argue that not a single tuner out there does either. Yeah. Okay. Once you receive them, right, I will take those things into consideration um, after the fact if you call me with something you would like changed. Then we do that, right? That's that's why we have revision support. We say this all the time. Okay. If you know what's been done to the transmission, like I said, um, then you will place down, let's say, if you've done minor modifications, let's say yourself, right? So an accumulator body or a shift kit or maybe your shop put a, a mostly full shift kit in it. Um, that's why we have the shift kit option. And again, depending on the modifications you give me. So let's say you did select the shift kit option. Please be as detailed as you can with what you've been, what's been done to it. Okay. So if you don't believe it's been a fully built transmission, but you selected the shift kit option, um, even if it was just an accumulator body, if it's on full valve bodies, if a full shift kit was installed, if clutch tolerance has been modified, if maybe you didn't add clutch counts, but you did change um, clutch material, um, uh, just, those kinds of modifications internal to the transmission when you select a shift kit because maybe you built it yourself. I would like to know that because it does help me. If you just did an accumulator body or if you don't know what's been done to it, we usually start off with what we would send for stock transmissions, which would be a slightly more aggressive um, uh, firmness control. Then uh, we'd start there. And if it's too hard, we'd back it down a bit. Okay. We don't have a ton of room, but um, to soften things up, but we can uh, need be. So that's where we would start with that. If you have a shift kit and you've had a, a bunch of modifications, more than an accumulator body, or if you do have an accumulator body, depending on who made it, I do have an idea of who manufactured what bodies and how they perform, particularly in some vehicles. But this also does depend on what's been done to the transmission and or how worn it is and where you're driving it. So just putting an accumulator body on a, a 400,000 mile transmission probably didn't save the rest of it and or the torque converter. So I will have to gauge that um, depending on how the customer uh, sees it after or how they've been driving it and what they, um, what complaints they may have with it. Yeah. When it comes to the built transmission option, such as, uh, if you purchased a transmission from a particular builder, such as Sam Weiss here, in this case, we select, we recommend selecting the built transmission option in general. I don't discriminate between built transmissions and shift kit transmissions. There isn't a lot of difference because, Every trans builder that we that we work with, in general, when we speak to the trans builder themselves, and we pretty much talk to just about every big online builder, even I've, you know, I talked to tons of local builders as well for customers about what the builder wants for the transmission, because um, ultimately, they know what they're looking for and or during their test procedures, they just say, let's do this. And what that is, is usually stock transmission firmness control. The only way we can get stock transmission firmness control is to give you stock transmission shift schedules as well. I do have a little bit of a fudge factor in there that some people will notice, but in general, that's where we have to start because that's what builders recommend. If there are some things that can be done after, right, after the files have been sent, we recommend getting in touch with us. If you want a firmness increased, we can do that. If you want firmness decreased, we can talk about that. But in general, we try not to make it any softer than factory because we expect that your builder hopefully prepared for this transmission to be built for factory um, transmission control. So in general, that's what most builders want to expect because it's a baseline. 
for most of these vehicles. And we produce that because that's what they expect. Mm -hmm. And usually the same goes for shift kits as well. So, or shift kit type modifications. Yeah. I suppose just concluding the, what transmission option do I select on either a form or our site? Um, what I would say is for customers that don't know, this is going to be a bigger problem than you're ready for. Just be prepared for that and be prepared that we may have some disagreements and compromises that you may or may not have to make just because you don't know what it is. Okay. So I know customers will come in hoping that we can fix that for them, but that's not always the case. If we don't know what you have, because you don't know what you have, we can only be so good. Okay. And in general, that takes more time than we sort of have a product set up to produce, right? Um, guessing and checking method is very time consuming and not very fun for either of us. Okay. With that out of the way for customers that do know what they have with a stock transmission, that's pretty simple and straightforward. Just select stock transmission stuff. Even if you think that the modified transmission stuff or the shift kit or built will be softer for you because you think you may have something to do with it, start with the stock first. And then if you don't like it, get in touch and we can either soften it up or firm it up for you. Okay. That's easy enough to do. And I would rather start at that position where we're going firmer, um, more or less to start with. Um, but also have a bit more shift schedule control over stock transmission builds um, than we do for, say, shift kit or builds. If you know you yeah. have some shift kit modifications, such as either you did them yourself or a local builder just did a basic build for you and you have a, a build sheet more or less for them, give me as much detail as you can. Um, I'd rather not talk to your builder about it either because I think that's a bit, they're not going to be very helpful and it may be just a waste of both of our time. So just give me their build information as best you can. It's not particularly important. Like I said, we don't do a ton, but if I can tell that it either may or may not be a problem, depending on the rest of your setup, that will give me a gauge um, maybe to give you a call ahead of time or after the fact. Yeah. If you have a built transmission, that's pretty simple. Select built transmission. Um, and then if something else arises after that, I can talk to the customer about it. We'll go over it. But in general, that's usually going to be between you and your trans builder in that scenario. And another thing that I think is important is a lot of times people come in and they're buying tuning from us um, and they've got experience with someone else's tuning or a different transmission or whatever. And so you you come in saying like, Oh, I liked the shift kit tunes from PHP, but my transmission is stock. So I'm going to tell you I have a shift kit. Cause I think that's, what's going to run. Right. Like it right. just don't, don't, don't try to change the truth um, that you tell us just because you think that's going to be the right thing. We're, it's going to be totally different. So like, let, let us work with you to make the right choice if anything. Um, but, but just tell us the truth of what's actually done to it. Um, don't try to like make up what you think we're going to want to hear because it's not helpful for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And that definitely happens uh, more often than we'd like it to. So again, this is just a reminder, please just let us know what's actually going on with the vehicle and then we can discuss it, right? Don't try to assume or, or you know, try and outsmart us at this, um, you know, what decisions we may make for you because we ultimately are going to have way different uh, transmission control options than some other tuners as well. So um, we may have a different idea on what to do um, for, say, your your stock transmission builds or your basic shift kits. Yep. So, yes. All right. The next question is, um, hello, I was looking to purchase a six or eight tune chip, and I wanted to make sure that it will work on my van. I own a 2000 Econoline van with a 7.3 uh, turbo. It's a passenger van. So let's talk about right. vans, Vaughn. Um. I do want to talk about vans, but do you want to answer the question about uh, the chip thing first? Because I'm assuming that he probably didn't want a chip option 
and we know we're going to talk to somebody and say a Hydra in that case anyway, or, uh, well, I can, yeah, we can cover, we can cover chips and make it simple. Um, basically there's, there's going to be no time where I'd recommend buying anything besides a PHP Hydra. Um, there's other options. There's arachnids, there's revolvers, there's TS chips. Um, and we're speaking specifically about chips, not just like programmers or flash tuners or whatever. Um, the chip that's like a device that's going to plug into the J3 port on your PCM. Um, the uh, revolver, arachnid, TS and Hydra essentially like they serve the same purpose. Um, and in the case of the arachnid revolver and PHP Hydra, they all accept the same exact tuning. We could put the same tune on any one of them, but um, there's really not a big price difference between them. And as far as I'm aware, we're the only company that, that will flash um, arachnids. And I don't know of anybody else that flashes revolvers either, but somebody might. Um, and so if you, if you went the route of a revolver or an arachnid, you would be limited to tuning from probably just us. Um, and on top of that, anytime you need a change made or you change injectors or whatever, anytime you need to put different tuning on that chip, um, for any reason, you have to send it back to be burned. Um, and with a Hydra, it's an email away. It's, it's much easier, which that leads to a lot of problems too. And the expectation that more stuff is going to be emailed. Um, but that's a totally different subject, but yeah, PHP Hydra, um, is definitely the way to go, uh, pretty much all the time. And I think to sum up the, the chip. Uh, solution or the just the chip question when we're talking about other devices aside from the power hungry Hydra is that they're in this business we've been here long enough to know that there is not a one size fits all we're also not the company for everybody either right yep. um, our control in general isn't and not every chip there again there's not one size fits all so there's usually we're never going to recommend an option that is meant to be a one size fits all such as a pre-burnt chip yep. and I can't say that obviously they can be reburnt. But the idea is, uh, once you get it, and I know a lot of customers are looking for, I just want to buy it, put it in, and forget about it. But I wish that was the case. It's not. Again, there's not a one-size-fits-all, especially going into, say, the van scenario. There's, there's a lot of different options of vehicles, and they all get nuanced and complicated in different ways. Yeah. All right. Ready for van stuff? Tell me about van stuff, Vaughn. All right. So, um, we don't often talk about... Uh, the Econoline series, because it doesn't, uh, there's not very many of them. I usually run into more PCMs that belong to Econolines that aren't in them more than I deal with actual vans. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you have a 2000 and later van, there's a much greater chance that we can support them. Okay. And support them, meaning that we may not be able to help you with tuning whatsoever. And we may just turn you down completely just because they're kind of a pain. The earlier amount of vehicles, such as the 98s and the 99s, can be um, a real big pain uh, because they have strange cutoff dates and they have a bunch of different PCM options that have a ton of different support. And in general, the software we use to modify them isn't fully supportive of most of the van series also. So that requires a lot of my time um, to work with your ones and zeros to get her out, um, you know, a decent file uh, for these. And there's also still a bunch of complications that come with that. Um, because we don't have the same testing abilities like we would um, in any of the other F-Series vehicles. We have a lot more experience um, and a lot more of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. For the later models, the 2000s to 2001s are the sort of easiest, best range to work with as long as the PCM hasn't been changed. And there's a list of PCMs that I recommend for those. Um, 
And in general, I don't ever recommend just swapping PCMs because you heard me just say it. Don't talk to me first. Um, don't just put whatever PCM because I said it would be better. There's a lot of complications with that. Okay. With Vans, the 2000 to 2001s, I have the best support for and the best experience working with. There's still a handful of complications that can appear. Um, but the biggest thing to work with is that the Vans, just fundamentally by design, are completely different from the F-Series vehicles in a lot of ways. So it becomes difficult to work with customers that are not expecting a van to be a van, or they want their van to not be a van and, and perform more like an F-Series vehicle. There's a lot of differences um, in shift schedules, shift strategies, um, just overall engine uh, pedal response. Um, obviously, there's different mechanical setups as well that are going to perform a little bit different too. So again, that's they're just a little bit different from the physical side of things. It really has nothing to do with the calibration or anything we do. For the later models, the O2 to O3s, everything is identical aside from my control in the calibration becomes a little bit more limited, mostly because the support on those and uh, they tend to be a bit more finicky, even though as much as the internet likes to believe they're the same hardware, they're the same DPC number, they do have different firmware that will function a bit differently and can have a lot of problems in the later models. And uh, Bill of Power Hungry and I have talked fairly extensively about the E-Series and you know, them just being a general pain. Okay. That means that if you have an E-Series, um, let's also hope you haven't done a lot of work to it as well. Mm -hmm. Heavy, Heavily modified vans are also pretty complicated. And in general, I recommend just staying away from a heavy modified van, especially if you really don't need it. If you want to do it, it becomes complicated again. And I'm fine with helping people on that because that's what we do. Um, as far as the performance side of things, I have no problem walking you through some of the more detailed aspects of heavily modifying your van to be way more powerful, but we really haven't come across those uh, very often. Um, and in general, we're opening up a whole lot of uh, changes that I would recommend to get it to get it running as well as they say an F-Series would. Yeah. Um, Namely, so I just, I mean, I one, just of the, one of the main problems you're going to run into and why it's not worth building a van is the, the lack of an intercooler. And you really can't install one. Like, I mean, I'm sure Space. you, I'm sure you, yeah, you, I'm sure you, somebody has figured out a way to do it. That's fine. But nobody, most people aren't going to do that. And so you're going to be very limited on how much power you can make. And so don't, don't make the sacrifice of drivability for your truck, um, that you're not even going to be able to use the power that it could be capable of if, it, if you could complete it. Right. And turbo options as well are fairly limited, uh, in those vehicles as well. Um, yeah, you're figuring everything out yourself if you're doing that. So. so we usually recommend staying away from that. So overall, if you have a van, please keep it as close to stock if you're willing to, unless you're willing to just go through everything. And in that scenario, um, don't assume that we can just help you. And by that meaning, you can just go by tunes online and just punch in your info and we'll figure it all out for you. Um, yeah. I would like to have some sort of consultation first to tell you what I can or can't do before we go through all of that. Yep. All right. So this would be a pretty easy one. Um, it says, uh, I was wondering what the process of sending my injector cores back to unlimited diesel is. Um, I tried contacting them a few times last week, unable to reach anyone. Do you know if there's uh, supposed to be a prepaid label to return the injectors? Um, the way cores work is uh, with unlimited diesel. If you order injectors um, from us, there's going to be a packing slip on the outside of the box that's going to have the return label in it. So it'll be your packing slip and the return label. Um, 
it's ready to go. So you receive the injectors. If you paid a core charge, you'll receive the injectors and you'll just pack, take your new ones out, stick your cores in the same packaging. You receive the new ones in, stick the label on it, take it to UPS. You don't, you don't have to pay for anything else. Um, and it's a good way to ship them. And that's, a, I recommend that basically if you're buying injectors, I recommend paying the core charge, um, because, uh, they're really hard to package correctly. So they don't get damaged in shipping. And if you can reuse the packaging that the injectors come with, and this, this isn't just, um, unlimited diesel, whether it's unlimited or full force or Alliant or, um, Warren or whatever, um, you get their packaging. Usually, as long as you're not in Canada, like basically if you're on, if you're not in another country, um, or Alaska or Hawaii, um, if you're in the continental U S then the prepay label will be returned, be included. And there's no, there's no, there's no extra charge for it. So we'll ship them to you and ship them back, um, on that label. So I would like to say one extra thing for as far as cores are concerned, and obviously this isn't what I do uh, at all, but I do see this a lot, regardless of what the part is, if you have to exchange a core, aside from transmissions and big stuff like that, when it comes to small components that take cores, such as fuel injectors, um, turbocharger, well, I guess, uh, well, never mind, just core core stuff in general. Um, if they don't arrive, right, it has to be a usable core, right? So just a quick statement on saying, make sure that you package it well. So it actually arrives at the location, um, in working order, because again, it is a core, it has to be reused. Right. So we just see that a lot where such things like injectors, um, uh, torque converters, some of the bigger stuff, you can't package it properly. Um, I get what a steering boxes, that kind of stuff, they can get damaged and they won't get accepted and you will get charged for that. Right. So just making sure that, especially when it comes to fuel injectors, when you get them in a box that are, that was prepared, your new, your old fuel injectors can go right back in that box and sent right back and they should make it there. Um, the same way they got there. And it doesn't account for everything. Obviously shippers will damage things, but I see a lot of improper packaging. Um, and then it's really bad sometimes like one, I wish, I wish I had a picture of them. Um, I should have prepared that, but like one in particular, a couple months ago, a, a guy had ordered uh, six liter injectors and he decided to send in, I think he ordered one set, but he was sending in like three sets of cores for a credit. And he stuck three sets of six O injectors in a flat rate box with no padding, um, no extra tape or anything on it. And when we got it, of course, like most of them were broken. Um, and, uh, and, and quite a few of them were missing because the box was like blown up. So yeah, be very careful shipping big, heavy metal things. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say that just because of the number of times we see cores that just don't make it because again, it is a core. It has to be reused. It's getting shipped back for a reason. That's all. Yep. Um, and this one is, uh, I'm wondering how long it takes to get the injectors to get injectors in a Hydra. Um, that's the last thing I need to finish my truck. So I'm just wondering what's, uh, what's going on here because I have everything else. Um, a couple things with this one, um, this particular question he was asking because his injectors hadn't shipped yet. Um, and I believe, and this happens quite often if you order specifically, um, with full force injectors, but this is the can, can be the case with everything. If you order injectors and a Hydra from us for your seven, three, um, right after you order within, like, I think it's within five minutes, but maybe within 10 minutes, um, our system will send you out an email. It's going to be state, say something like, uh, get those injectors tuned or something like that. But it's a, it's going to be a link to a form that, in, that includes all of the questions that we need answered about your truck so we can build your tuning. Um, and again, to say specifically with, with your full force injectors and a Hydra, um, 
the, uh, we will not ship the injectors until the Hydra is ready to ship. Also they'll ship together. Um, part of the reason for that is because you can't put the injectors in the truck and run it without tuning. So, uh, more than likely if it's modified injectors. And so, uh, so it'll sit there and wait until you fill the form out. And we usually send out reminders and everything else too. Um, but if like, if you have like Gmail is the worst, if you have a Gmail account, uh, make sure to check like your promotions or junk or spam or whatever folders, because, uh, a lot of times our, our forms and those emails get sent there instead of your inbox. Uh, but make sure if you order injectors and you order tuning, look for the email. Um, it'll come right after your confirmation email, uh, for your tuning form that has to be filled out. And at the top of the form, there's a whole list of like all the, basically all the questions that, that, um, you don't know how to answer, like how to find your PCM code or how to find your hider serial number and stuff like that. There's, there's links to videos at the very top of that form. So, um, so, uh, with that, uh, this is an automated system. Yep. Um, and unless your, your email doesn't work, right. The email address you put in there, you will get the email. We don't control it. It gets sent out period. Okay. So you will have it. Just make sure that you check your email. It's never um, not sent again, an email. It never once. It always will. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, that's just important when it comes to filling out the form. Like you said, when it, uh, we don't ship injectors from full force until the Hydra is ready, which means the Hydra won't be ready until you send me, um, the tuning form. Okay. Yeah. Unless you specify otherwise ahead of time, you would like everything to ship and then you would like to fill out the form later. I know a lot of our shop customers like to do that. Um, a lot of our dealers will just, they want to get everything ready. Um, and get it all, and then they can get it back to me. There is one extra step with that, though. Again, if you ordered a Hydra, and that's what we're waiting for, and you want it shipped out, you will need to send me your serial number, because it will ship out um, where I don't have control over it, so I don't get the serial number. So that will uh, that's the one extra step you have to take if we send the, the Hydra ahead of time. Yep. But again, nothing will... The Hydra, by default, will not get shipped unless I receive that form. Um, and like I said, we do send out some reminders for customers that may or may not have, have seen that email enter their inbox um, or again, got recategorized, but that will need to happen. Yes. Um, and I have no problem answering questions um, for those forms that are submitted. A lot of customers will submit them uh, partially filled out and ask for help. And that's not a problem. Um, but once that form is submitted, that I can usually get done within 24 hours or one business day. Um, depending on the setup, depending on the size of your fuel injectors or what else is being done to the vehicle. But when you submit that form, it's not a guarantee that I won't uh, have to put that aside or I have to call you for some extra questions because I won't know what's been done to the vehicle till you fill, fill that form out. And then I know, well, maybe this isn't the right setup for you. Um, and that's a, you know, a topic for another probably whole podcast. Yeah. Um, but that opens a bunch of questions that ultimately, because I have to schedule that probably pretty long phone call might take some extra time. So if you don't hear anything from us, which is often uh, the case as well, once I get the form and it's prepared, um, there's usually no need for us to notify, Hey, everything was just okay. Because the next notification you're going to get is that everything shipped, which yeah. usually happens uh, either the same day or the next day. Um, so there's usually no need for us to send a, Hey, I received everything for you. You'll just get a notification when everything ships. Yeah. Um, and so some, some stuff like, it. like injectors, uh, they're built to order basically all the time. Um, so there could be like a couple days from the time you order until they're ready to ship, um, regardless of whether you submit your tuning form immediately or not. Um, oh, and one last thing I guess I wanted to say when it comes to that, uh, you had mentioned, well, you need tuning to have the injectors run. 
because of customers that are often in a pinch, depending on the vehicle in general, unless you say have a 200% nozzle fuel injector, and even then, depending on what you're doing with the vehicle and you need to get it started and running, without tuning in the Hydra, you can do that. And you can do it mostly safely, just drive easy on it while you're waiting. It will idle poorly, it'll probably smoke aggressively, um, and there's a lot of other just performance aspects that are just bad in drivability, but it will start up and run in all cases. You do not need tuning for the vehicle to start up and run. Yes, okay? that's so true. Just for that to be clear. You need tuning for the truck to run correctly, um, which another thing I would just, I'll say this before we move on to the last piece here. Uh, don't install the chip. In, like if you put new injectors in the truck, don't put the chip in it. Like leave the chip out, get it running first before you install the chip. Because if you have a hard time starting the truck, um, it could be because of like a connection problem, especially if it's never had a chip in it before. Um, or there, like there wasn't tunes on the chip or the incorrect tunes on the chip or, um, it wasn't clean enough or variable. whatever. Yeah. Just get rid of that variable of tuning being a problem. Like if you know the truck ran before the PCM and everything works, get it running with new injectors, start it a few times, you know, let it idle for a bit, um, then install your chip. It's going to, it's going to make it easier. Um, but this, uh, like when to, when you end up getting things leads into, uh, one thing that's becoming a pretty massive problem is supply. And there's a lot of products right now um, that are that are a pretty big issue. Uh, I know on the last the last podcast I covered like ARP head studs or maybe one of the videos or something that are like we have no idea when we're going to get more. Um, and as far as I know, it, it may be you know late 2022, 2023 before we end up getting um, like seven three ARP studs again. I don't know for sure, but it could be a while. And there's a lot of metal things like that that are becoming a problem. Um, just yesterday, and this is just for as small of a piece of the industry as this is, I just wanted to kind of share some of the stuff we're seeing. Um, the BorgWarner S300 series um, turbine housings, the 0.91 housings, can't get them. At least I can't. We can't find them. Um, IRA Diesel can't find them. Um, the only ones they have are ceramic coated. Um, and then I got an email yesterday just to kind of give you an idea of some of the stuff we're dealing with here of... Um, this was just from the, from diesel site. Um, this is just products that they are out of stock on with no idea when we might get more. Like there's no, like we have absolutely no clue when we can get more of them. So I'm, I'm it's going to be a long list, but I'm just going to go ahead and read them off. Um, so 2003, 2004, uh, six Oh, uh, H-pop covers, stand, uh, stand pipes, um, the six liter adrenaline H-pop, um, seven, three turbo blankets. Um, let's see here. The seven, three and six Oh fuel sending units, the, the 94 to 97 fuel system, the 99 to Oh three, seven, three fuel system, the six liter billet, billet flex plate, the wicked turbo kit for the 94 to 97, the early 99 Wicked Turbos, the 99 to 03 Wicked Turbos, the 2008-2010 water pump, and the fuel pump control module for the 7.3. These are like out of stock, absolutely no idea and we'll get more, maybe never get more. And then we've got a bunch more of them here that are are out of stock with uh, 3 to what, 3 to 12 month lead times or 3 to 6 month lead times. Um, six liter fuel, uh, water separator, six O water separator, seven, three Bosch glow plugs, 12 plus, 12 plus month weight from Bosch, 
Um, the crate, the crankcase tube connector, three to four months, um, seven, three water pump with filtration. So the international ones, um, the lower radiator hose for the T44E, the 94 to 97, uh, stainless bellet up pipes, um, the early 99 bellet up stainless bellet up pipes, the true, true cool transmission cooler, um, the seven, three billet flex plate and the Cummins water pump. And like, this is just from one small company this is all stuff that we can't get. And like this stuff is happening. Whoa. this stuff is happening like crazy and we're seeing tons and tons and tons of supply issues. So I guess one thing to be like cognizant of is like, it's gonna, it, it very likely could take some patience if you're looking to go through a big build. And like, I feel bad. There's a lot of guys that are, you know, been building for a long time and they've, you know, they've already done injectors and a turbo or whatever, but now they can't, they can't get studs or you can't get a high pressure oil pump or you can't get a flex plate or, you know, transmissions, a lot of builders, you know, we've, we're like, <laughs> it's four to six months wait time um, trying to get like converters and machine parts or whatever, get clutches for them. I don't know if it's as big of an issue as it was right now. Um, but like the only clutches that we could get were Borg Warners. Like we couldn't get uh Rebastis clutches or, or Altos. Matter of fact, I think maybe I missed it on here, but the uh, diesel site transmissions, they're not even taking orders up for them anymore. Um, ah. It's crazy. So, I guess have a little patience when it comes to some of this stuff too, and know that like the supply issues are getting worse, not better. And I think it's probably important for customers that are coming to us with the idea that they mostly don't use the power that they have and they really just need a small build, but are looking yeah. to maybe overdo it. That it may if not be the right you're choice. looking for parts to uh, replace it. Let's say if something breaks or there's something that needs to be warranted or, um, you're just looking for availability of replacement parts for let's say the potential upgrade. Um, That may not be available if there is a particular problem or you have a component that's broken and you overbuilt it. And now it's specialized to some degree, you Mm -hmm. can only go through that manufacturer to get it repaired or replaced. And if they don't have that availability for you, um, then that's something you need to keep in mind, especially if you use this vehicle for work, you need it to operate. um, And it may have specialized components that cannot be sourced and that cannot run without. Yep. Yeah, no, and we've got uh several trucks that are waiting on stuff and have been for like like months. Like engines, like been waiting 6 months, 8 months, 9 months for engines for them. Um you know, we've got a uh 6.7 that this isn't applied to 7.3s obviously, but we got a 6.7 that I think it's a, it's a work truck. It's a 2016 and it's been waiting for a DPF and sensors. Um I think it's been six months. So like this work truck has been down for six months, maybe seven months now. It's been a while um, just because the, well, you can't get a DPF for it and we can't, I mean, you can't delete it either. So um, yeah, supply is definitely becoming a problem. And on the, especially with these older trucks, like there's a lot of stuff that's being like just discontinued. I know Garrett has dropped quite a few products. Like you can't get Garrett blank pedestals for the, the OBSs anymore. Um, several companies aren't offering like up pipes anymore and it's, yeah, it's starting to look a little grim. Not, not that it's the best way to end a podcast is on grim things. So sorry about that, but yeah, there are shortages and, uh, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Well, I, yeah. And that's, that's getting tough in general. I, we haven't seen it, uh, 
Yeah, I guess this is one of the biggest times we've seen it. I know you guys tell me all the time you have to take this off the site or this is out or, you know, a lot of customers that talk to me about maybe doing more work to their vehicles. Mm -hmm. I end up having to say, hey, you need to call uh, the sales department, which you always should because I'm not the sales guy. But um, because I don't know where I can't keep up with what's available or who's got this or what the lead time is on this product or we can't use these and what's the next best replacement. Um, So that's something you're going to want to ask about. Um, depending on, uh, you know, what you're looking for, what you're looking to build. And again, being conscious of what's available and maybe how big you want to go um, with your setup, because you may not be able to get replacement parts for it. And again, it sounds like it's only going to get worse, not better. Yeah. Yep, for sure. And just a little bit of patience with us too. If you order something and then we let you know that we can't get it, that might happen because every day it's changing and it's really hard to keep up with what we can get our hands on. Uh, and especially cause like right now, even more than ever, we're relying on, um, you know, whatever we can get from the manufacturers or warehouses, um, that's just kind of trickling in. And so, um, yeah, be cognizant of it. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. I've been dusty. I've been Vaughn. Thank you guys very much.